0: Hello and welcome once again. My name is Daniel Bardo, one of the pastors at Christ Fellowship Northwest. And we continue today our study called Declaring His Excellencies, which we are doing in our small groups uh, leading up to the week of Easter. The title of today's devotion, devotion three of week two, is Sojourners and Exiles. These terms as reference to God's people come from our passage today in First Peter 2, 9 through 12. 1 Peter says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, They may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Our text, 1 Peter 2, 9-12, serves as a summary statement of what Peter has said in chapter 1, verse 1, through chapter 2, verse 8. He summarized who the people of God are as a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a people for God's own possession. Each one of these descriptions possesses significant meaning and finds its roots in God's relationship with the Israelite people of the Old Testament. By attributing the identity of the Israelites in the Old Testament to the believers in his day, Peter made a bold assertion, God's people are not the biological Jews who find their identity in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Rather, his people are those who, by faith, are in Jesus. Romans 9, 6-8 says this very plainly, For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all are children of Abraham, because they are his offspring. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. As the people of God, they possessed the promised inheritance, the resurrection life, the fellowship with the Father and Son. All that had been promised to Abraham has come through Christ to the new people consisting of both Jews and Gentiles, the free and the slave, the woman and the man, the rich and the poor. These called by God and believing in the Son now belong to God and to each other. They are God's people. The reason for their election and gathering can be found in the second half of the verse where Peter says that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Peter once again drew from Isaiah 43 to identify the purpose of God in choosing and redeeming his people. He set them apart so that they might declare the excellencies of him who called them. We saw this in verse 9. Notice the very similar language used by Isaiah in Isaiah 43:21. The people whom I, being God, formed for myself that they might declare my praise. A glimpse into the meaning of declare his excellencies comes to us in the phrase that they, the world, may see your good deeds and glorify God in verse 12. With this restatement of God's intended purpose in the saving of his people, Peter connects our God-given purpose with one more aspect of our identity. This can be seen in verse 11, where we learn God saved his people, set them apart, and now puts them on to slay before the watching world. He does not remove them from the world. He leaves them in it. Just as one would not put a lamp under a basket, so God does not put His people out of view. Instead, He makes them a city on a hill. He intends for their light to shine out for men to see and know God. As a result, God's people now live as sojourners and exiles, which is our true statement for today. God's people are sojourners and exiles. Peter's opening address identified God's people as exiles in chapter 1 verse 1, and as he transitioned to instructing their conduct in this world. Peter once again reminded them of their identity as sojourners and exiles in chapter 2, verse 11. While the next couple weeks will be spent looking at our purpose as exiles and what we are doing as exiles, it will be helpful here to simply draw our attention to a few implications of our being exiles in this world. The first comes to us in chapter 1, verse 14 of 1 Peter. There Peter said, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Christians must not conform to this world. As exiles, Christians will know the constant struggle between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of the world. The world and its desires of the flesh will rage war with the kingdom of heaven and its desires generated by the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5. The world at times will offer pleasures and pursuits that appeal to our flesh, but Christians have come to know something better than worldly treasures. The works of the flesh come from ignorance, a lack of knowledge concerning Christ. As exiles, Christians must keep watch so that they might not be conformed by a love and desire for this world. If they give in to such passions, they may indeed gain the world, but their souls will be lost. The second implication comes to us in chapter 1, verses 22-23, through 23, which there Peter wrote, "...having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God." Christians must constantly love fellow exiles with sincere brotherly love. How might Christians remain faithful without getting entangled in worldly affairs? They will do so in a loving community with each other. The journey through this life might be long and difficult. Those who participate in the loving community of the saints will safely navigate these foreign lands and arrive at their forever home. However, those who forsake the coming together of the church in love run the risk of losing hope and wavering. Hebrews 10, 23-25 warns us of the same thing. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This leads us to our instruction for the day, and it is this. Set your mind on things of heaven. Often a member of the armed forces may keep in his pocket a photo of his beloved wife, Another may keep a piece of jewelry around her neck which re- reminds her of the cherished people and places of home for which she awaits to return. These reminders do not remove them from the difficult mission, but they can provide the strength to endure. Similarly, Peter calls our attention to our beloved Jesus, for whom we wait. He reminds us of our certain hope that he will return, and with him will come our eternal glory and full joy. In the difficult days, we can lose sight of what we will inherit. Only with our minds fixed on Jesus and our eternal life with Him will we be able to reject the pleasures of this world and faithfully give ourselves to the loving service of our fellow exiles so that together we may all lay hold of the glory that awaits us. This has been Devotion 3 of Week 2. And again, we pray and hope that these things will help you seek the Lord together as you talk about the scriptures and what you are learning in your cell group. God bless.